Welcome to Infused Church, everyone, and thanks for joining us for part three of our series, The Five Ways to Grow Your Faith. Now, you probably remember a time uh, when you said no to something, and then later you got, got in the car, you left the meeting or whatever it was, and you thought to yourself, I wish I had said yes, or at least something different. Today, we're going to be talking about the exact same thing, but what it does to our faith when we have opportunities to grow it and when we respond with a no versus a yes and the great opportunities that we can miss out on in that process. I'm so glad you're here. Ten years ago, um, I made a, a pretty intentional decision, um, and maybe uh, it's a decision you too have made. Or um, maybe more than likely, uh, you've actually found yourself just kind of sliding in this direction, um, whether you're watching online and maybe checking us out for the first time or, or you're here in the room. Um, and that is that you made a decision, um, again, whether it was intentionally or just kind of out of the, the habit of your life uh, and the decisions that you were making in your life, that you would um, believe that there is a God or, or maybe even to say God might be a little too strong, that you would believe that there is a creator or some entity that is kind of uh, had a hand in the creation of the universe or maybe the orchestration of the universe. But for you, you decided that that is not the Christian God or really any God in general. And you certainly did not or certainly do not consider yourself someone who has intentionally put their trust or their faith in that being, whomever that is. At least that was what I had decided. In other words, I had decided to become an agnostic, which is something that I talk about a lot because I think um, I know just what the statistics say is that more and more of us are headed in that direction. Now, I will also say, in a spoiler alert, things did change in my life, and I'm no longer an agnostic. But as I look at my faith journey and I hear your stories and the stories of people who have um, decided to actually put their faith in Jesus and trust in God, I've kind of noticed that there is a pattern. There is a pattern of kind of the events or the moments in people's lives that bring them to this decision, this point of saying, I will put my faith in something greater than myself, and not just an entity that I believe created the universe, but in a Christian or the Christian perspective on God. And so out of that has kind of come born this series that we're in right now called The Five Ways to Grow Your Faith, because out of those experiences and listening to you, I kind of have whittled it down to a handful of things that tend to happen in people's lives that help them grow their faith. And so um, last week, we were in part two, and we introduced this first of five ways, and this is not an exhaustive list, just again, five things that I've noticed at least. Um, last week, we talked about prayer and kind of gave you the basic rundown of prayer. And this week, what I want to do is I want to talk about something. We've talked about this word before, but I think it's a really big and important word because it happens a lot in our lives, and that word is opportunity. I want to talk about opportunity. And the fact that for those of us who respond really, really well and manage this word, this thing, this event in our life called opportunities or opportunities, those of us who manage it really well tend to grow faster and better. 
tend to grow faster and better. Now, every day you have opportunities. I have opportunities, big, small. You go to work in groups that you're a part of, um, at church, with your friends and your families. Maybe it's kind of like in the clip, you know, maybe you're looking at a bulletin board and you're getting hit up with opportunities there and events you can be a part of on Facebook always, all the time. People are, you know, asking you to help them raise money for something now or help them to join an event or support an event or a cause or whatever it is. Really, opportunities sometimes I almost feel like the only limit is our own creativity to the opportunities you and I have in our lives. And we have to sort through those, right? And we have to do some due diligence in those opportunities. We have to say yes, we have to say no, we reject, we accept, we avoid. We maybe try to take a little bit of both. I'll show up for half of the time and not the other half or something of, of those, along those lines. Now for me and my faith journey, me as an agnostic, or maybe even for you, you recognize that when it comes to faith or church or religion in general, there are opportunities. There are opportunities. And at least in my experience, I really felt like when I was trying to figure out faith as an agnostic, I had a lot of these almost coincidental opportunities. One of them that I've shared before, and maybe, but you're new around here, you missed that Sunday when I shared it, um, had to do with a couch. Um, and so this was, again, 10 years ago, and I was going to sell a couch in the basement, and, uh, and so at the time, Craigslist was kind of the up-and-coming thing, and now, like, hardly anybody even uses it anymore because of Facebook and all that stuff, but um, there was Craigslist, um, and so if you remember back then, uh, things were a little dicey with Craigslist because there was such a thing as the Craigslist killer Dun, dun, dun. And so when uh, Stephanie, my now wife, proposed to me that I should try to sell the couch on Craigslist, I thought, yeah, but what if the Craigslist killer shows up in Ames, Iowa at the time? And I think the Craigslist killer was like out east. But regardless, it could be your home, right? You could be next. And uh, so posted it on there, and it wasn't the Craigslist killer that actually showed up. It was uh, a pastor. Lucky me, the agnostic who's selling a couch, pastor shows up to buy the couch. Okay, and so we get into this conversation, all that stuff. Stephanie is there, um, and uh, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, that's interesting. You serve at the church, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and then you're one out the other, okay? Um, and then, um, but the, the, the thing, and, and this is maybe a, a good kind of point at which you know you're meant to be together, is when the, your spouse, um, when you want to say no to something that you probably should say yes to, they say yes for you. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. And so that's what Stephanie did. Stephanie said, oh, I'm just so glad uh, to hear about your ministry and all that stuff. Uh, my, hu uh, my sorry, husband, I'm now her husband. Uh, my boyfriend here, he has a lot of questions about faith, to which I'm like, well, I don't want to lie to the pastor and say I don't, but I really don't want to talk to him. Um, and so anyways, long story short, I had to have a conversation with him, and in fact, it ended up to be uh, almost most of the day. Um, but the thing that I learned progressively throughout those moments and others is that there is a factor that we almost sometimes don't even recognize is there, and it is our ability to say yes or no to opportunities. Yes or no to opportunities, and specifically when it comes to faith, saying yes or no to opportunities. For me, and I believe for you, and that's really what I want to convince you of today, is that yes is worth your consideration. And more intentionally so, because some of us just kind of do it, we don't even think about it, but like intentionally saying yes to an opportunity, whatever that looks like. Just like in the movie, 
the yes man. It was a movie about a man who had kind of a same old, same old life, and then he began to say yes to things, and his life became just so much more alive. And I think that can be true for you as well when it comes to your faith. And here's why I believe that, and for you mathy people, I'm going to give it to you in the form of an equation so you can follow along, and it's probably the least complex equation you've ever seen. In fact, you're probably wondering to yourself about now, why did I come to church this morning? But this is the equation. If you have an opportunity and you say yes to it, there is a good chance there will be growth in that opportunity. There will be opportunity growth. In other words, if you have a job opportunity and you say yes to that, within that job and within that career path, you will probably grow, to which you say, wow, that is so brilliant, Taylor. You are so smart. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is just a life thing, though, isn't it? I mean, it's not anything profound. It's just a truth of life. Because when you say no, it shuts the door for anything else to happen beyond that point. So that's kind of the life thing. Then there's an interesting dynamic that I notice kind of happens. You know, it's a job, and then you grow in the job, but when you start talking about relationships, something changes in this equation. That when you switch and talk about having an opportunity to build a relationship with someone, and let's just make it easy, really easy, like you're dating someone, or engaged to someone, or married to someone, and you have a relationship opportunity, the equation changes as far as the output. That when you have the opportunity and you say yes, what, does it, what grows is not just a relationship, sure that's true, but underneath of all of that, trust and faith in one another grow. Now you may sit there and you say, well actually I think what, what's grown for me because I'm in love right now and it's just all so warm and fuzzy and it's feeling so great and I'm just in love. You'd say love grows, Taylor, then when, you, when you're in a relationship and you say yes, love grows. But underneath love, the bedrock beneath love is trust. Because I bet you if I pulled the trust rug out from underneath that love, there wouldn't be much left. Trust is the bedrock. Faith, faith, as we talked about in week one, faith, trusting in what you cannot see is the bedrock for the beginnings of a healthy relationship. And I say that all to say that this is exactly how it works and is the same thing when it comes to our relationship or our trust, our faith in God. That if you have the opportunity to engage with God, if you have the opportunity to engage with God, and then you match that opportunity to engage with God with a yes, your trust and your faith in God will most likely grow in one way or another. If you have questions about God, and you've wondered things, and you've wondered difficult, big questions about God and the universe and life and purpose and all that kind of stuff, um, if you wonder that stuff, you have to say yes to exploring that thing or whatever it is for you. And I promise you, out of that, there will be some growth. You may say, well, what if I don't even grow closer to God? That may happen. In fact, for my journey, for a good portion of my two and a half years as an agnostic, my growth, I, I wouldn't even necessarily say it looked like it was growing towards God, but it was just kind of growth and understanding my life, faith, religion in general, and just getting a healthy framework so that I could build in a healthy way. If you have the opportunity to engage, to ask questions, to read books, to serve, to pray, to give, you also then pair that with yes, you will grow. The problem is it's really difficult. The problem is it is really difficult for us to say yes. Isn't that interesting? Just a three-letter word. 
can be so difficult. So difficult, in fact, that we actually just remove it out sometimes. We'll call it like short-circuiting. And essentially, we want this equation to change to look something more like this. So we'll pull the yes out of this, and what's left is simply just opportunity to engage with God equals trust and faith. Growth. But the problem is this equation doesn't actually work. And you know that. Even though you may sit here and you're looking at this opportunity, you're sitting here, I'm coming to church, Taylor, I'm listening to your sermons, um, you know, whatever, I'm staring at trust and faith growth. If you do not say yes in that process, you can come here as much as you want. You can listen to me as long as you want. You can listen to other people, you can read books, but if you don't say yes, nothing will change. It's the same reason why that pantry at home that when you open it, you're just honestly partially disgusted that that's where your food is. And you know somebody should organize it. It's not going to be you, but somebody should organize it. There is an opportunity to clean your pantry, but you don't. You don't say yes to that. It's not going to get clean. If you're messy garage, you walk in, drive in every day, oh, I should really organize this. Oh, my car smells a little bit. I should probably do something about that. And you don't do anything about it. Nothing will change. I don't know about you, but like, I know it's summertime, so we don't have to deal with this, but in winter and potholes, how many of you, it's like, you see those potholes, you will avoid them for months, but you will do nothing about it. It's not like you're going to call the city, you're like, somebody should do something about that, you know? But you won't say yes. It's the same thing with faith. You'll listen, you'll hear, other priorities and busyness of life will come in and distract you and nothing will change. But my hope is that you will consider at least today thinking that maybe I need to input a little yes into my life to break open the doors of growth, whether it be in faith or in other areas of my life. Now, to illustrate this, I want to read to you a story, um, and maybe it's a story that some of you are familiar with, um, but it's not actually a story of someone saying yes, it's actually a story of someone saying no, because I thought that would be even a better illustration of this point for all of us. It's an illustration of someone who missed a really blatant opportunity, and it's easy for us to look back. Isn't that true for you? You look back in your life and you said, I wish I would have said yes, but I missed that opportunity. And this is one of those. Um, it's a really relatable story. Uh, if you grew up in church or went to Sunday school growing up, you may be familiar with it. Generally, it's titled uh, The Rich Young Ruler or The Wealthy Young Ruler. Um, and at this point in the story, or essentially in Jesus' life and his ministry, Jesus has gained a lot of popularity, a lot of people following Jesus, big crowds of people. And he is left um, Galilee in northern Israel where he uh, tended to do a lot of his ministry. And he's moved over to uh, what actually is just modern-day Jordan. It was called Jordan in those days as well. And it kind of looks like this. This is like the Israel side. And then on the other side over here by these mountains um, is actually Jordan. And it's in a, in a, it's in a valley. And so it's a pretty... Um, healthy agricultural land geography, and so it is not unheard of to have wealthy young rulers in this area because it was so prosperous. Um, if you kept going that way, you'd actually hit the Dead Sea, and there's not much happening there other than a sea that's dead, okay? Anyways, so this is where he's at. He's hanging out. He's teaching. He's healing. He's doing whatever Jesus does, and uh, this rich young ruler comes up to Jesus. And this is how the story goes. If you want to follow along, you can. We'll be in Mark chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. 
imagine, imagine the emotion like, if you were a bystander watching this happen, imagine the emotion of this man, probably well-dressed individual, running and almost like throwing himself at the feet of Jesus. As if he was, like, been running for miles. And as he sits there, he's catching his breath, and he's, and he's kind of, you know, you kind of contextualize the situation. You realize that for him, you know, he's probably heard of Jesus before. He knows Jesus is in town. He doesn't want to miss him. Jesus is about to leave, and, and he's running to catch him. He's heard the good things about Jesus. He's heard miracles. He's an amazing teacher, and he wants to ask Jesus a really big question. He thinks Jesus can help him answer or give him the opportunity to answer a really big question. Here's what he says. He's catching his breath. He says, good teacher, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to have the opportunity to get into heaven? Sometimes some of us even wonder that ourselves. But this rich young ruler who may be able to buy everything that he wants, the one thing he can't, and the one thing maybe even he's worried about is, what do you what happens after death? And that's something that money just doesn't quite answer. And so he goes to the most popular man in town these days, Jesus, and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Give me the opportunity, Jesus, to say yes to heaven. And so Jesus does this weird thing. He kind of gets a little off topic. I don't want you to get too distracted by the next verse, and I could really camp out. We could talk about this next verse and all the implications for like much longer than we have time, but essentially this is what Jesus says next. He, he, he kind of deflects the praise, right? He says, good teacher, and Jesus is like, let's not, let's not go there right now. So he kind of deflects it. He's like, why are you calling me good? No one is good except for God alone. And in other words, kind of just stop sucking up to me right now, okay? Let's just level the playing field a little bit. Get, then he gets back on topic. He says, you want to inher- inherit eternal life, young man? He says, have you done right by others? Have you treated others well? And then he references the Ten Commandments, and he kind of goes through kind of a high-level list of them. He said, you know the Ten Commandments? is kind of a rhetorical question. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honor, defraud, honor your father and your mother. Have you, have you done all of that? Have you treated others well? And the man maybe standing at this point, we're not sure, he responds and he says, teacher, he declares, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Since I could make my own choices, I have made relatively good decisions. I have not hurt others. And then I love this next little verse that comes up. It's like one of those verses that it's like you didn't need to put in, but, but Mark was like, no, and we think maybe Mark got his information from Peter, and, and Peter was like, no, you got to know how Jesus looked at the man at this point. So Jesus looked at him, not with judgment, not with anger, not with you're a pretentious, young, rich person, blah, 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 blah. He said he looked at him and loved him. He loved him even though Jesus knew the next question he was going to ask this man, or essentially not a question, it was going to give them the answer to his questions of eternal life. 
He's going to give the man what he's been asking for. He knows the man's going to look at what Jesus says. He's going to look at this opportunity to engage with God, and he is going to have a really, really hard time answering it. And he doesn't look at him condescending. Even though he knows what's going to happen yet next, he looks at him and he loves him. He loves him. He says, one thing you lack. In love, he says this. One thing you lack. Go. Sell. Get rid of. Part with all that you hold of greatest value in your life everything you have, and give it to the poor. Give it to the people who haven't worked as hard as you have, who haven't struggled as hard as you have, who didn't get the education that you had, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you follow, right? Give it to those people, and you will have the treasure in heaven that you seek. And then come and follow me. Here is the opportunity. Your wealth, young man, Your material things, young man, they're holding you back. I bet you the young man even knew that. That's why he showed up that day. They're burdening you. They're not helping you. Give them away. Walk away from that which is holding you back. Let me explain this by pulling up our our, our equation that we had earlier. He had an opportunity to say yes. But what this young man had done, as so many of us do, is we've replaced this opportunity to engage with God, and we replace it with something else. In his case, it replaced placed it with money. Opportunity to engage with money. And when you put money in there instead of God, and you say yes to that, guess, guess, you'll never imagine, guess what you trust more in, what you put your faith in? Money. Your trust and faith and money grows. So when Jesus is like, rich young ruler, you don't understand the, the, the contrast, the contradiction that is trying to follow me but putting your trust in money. Because when I'm going to ask you one day, as you follow me, I'm going to ask you to go love your neighbor. And the first thing that's going to come to your mind is how much is that going to cost? And that just is incompatible with me. It's not about how much is it going to cost. It's all about just loving your neighbor. It's not about the money. can't take it with you. It's about just loving your neighbor. When I say, when Jesus says, have joy, you're going to think, well, maybe when my bonus comes and I feel a little relief from my bills, that's when you'll have joy. That's when I can be at peace. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you can have peace now. By putting your trust in me instead of your trust in that. Because yes, it pays the bills, and yes, it buys the food, but I'm going to be with you forever. And I'm going to bring you peace that you didn't know you could have. This is why careers can tear marriages apart, because the opportunity to engage with my career, and I say yes, and there's no room left to trust and build faith with my spouse, because all I have and all I have invested in is my career. I grew up thinking that Jesus was against money, that to follow Jesus, you had to give it all away. I had to, like, become a monk, and I was like, well, that's not for me. Jesus isn't against money. 
Because if you read, and this is what we struggle sometimes, we pull verses out, and we're like, oh, a verse on its own, and no, no, if you put the whole thing together, if you put the whole package of Jesus together, Jesus talks about how do you invest your money wisely, how to be a shrewd manager of wealth and material things. Jesus is not against money. He's against when we trust it, and it consumes our heart, and there is no room left for the things that actually give us life. Bring us joy and happiness. Jesus is after our trust. He's after our faith. He's after our lives. And he asks us just to say yes and put our trust in that. Now, some of you know how the story goes. The young man decided not to say yes. The young man, at this point, in response to Jesus' statement of going to sell all of his stuff, he says, he, his face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. I think this is so interesting. It's like the most obvious contradiction. The man, get this, the man is literally walking away sad because he can't let go of his trust and his wealth, but yet the part of his brain, the part of his heart doesn't recognize that, oh my gosh, I want eternal life. I got the answer that I'm seeking, and now I'm even sadder because I'm not willing to give up the thing that I trust. And you can't recognize it. He could not see it for what it was. He's literally feeling the sadness of his choice, and he doesn't choose to do anything about it. That's why I say this is so much more difficult than we think. And I'm not saying that to give you an excuse or give you an out, like, oh, it's difficult, it's hard. Ah, uh, I'll be fine, you know. I mean, it's just God will understand that it was just really hard. I'm telling you this so you can be honest with yourself about what buckets you put yes into. We have a finite amount of yeses in our lives. What buckets do you place them into? Do you say yes to your spouse? Do you say yes to your children? Do you say yes to your heavenly father? Or do you say yes to other things? And I bet you how you break up your yeses each day, each week, will show you where your trust goes each week. I want you to consider the opportunity that was lost Remind me again, anybody remember what the rich young ruler's name was? We don't know. But I'm guessing most of you could at least name one of the twelve of Jesus' disciples. John, Matthew, Andrew. Chances are you probably have a couple friends named after them. Isn't that interesting? A bunch of illiterate, poor fishermen. They're the ones who change the world by following Jesus. They're the ones who we remember. They're the ones who are not a footnote in the story of Jesus. And I'm not saying that to like, oh, it's all about getting notoriety and getting your name out there and all that stuff. No, I just want you to consider what really was the opportunity in this story? Was the opportunity Jesus saying, follow me, 
Or was the opportunity the great wealth that the young man walked towards in sadness? What is the opportunity? Maybe in the short term, it feels like the great wealth. But in the long term, and hopefully not when you're so long term, now you have to look back. But you look back and you say, I can look at this story and I can see the real opportunity. So that's what I want to invite you to consider. Consider the opportunities that you have, because you have them every day, even faith opportunities. You may not even be a faithy person. You're going to have big opportunities like I had where a pastor's like standing in my basement buying a couch, and you're like, what do I do with that? And you're going to have small opportunities. You're going to have opportunities to say yes when it seems like it's not going to make a difference, but I promise you it will. To extend trust by saying yes and seeing how it makes a difference in other people's lives, including your own. Pulling back up our equation, that we would focus on that part, our responsibility in this picture, right there. That it may be as simple as just smiling. Smiling or saying hello, or saying good to see you to someone that could literally make their day. It could be as simple as just coming back next week to church, to be a part of a community, and to see where God's going to take you. It could be saying yes to those questions that you have and have done nothing about to understand and to grow personally, to sift through why it is you resist God, why it is you resist the church, why it is you resist me and my teaching, even though I've been in your shoes. Where does that come from in saying yes? I'm going to say yes to figuring that out. And what's so cool is as you do that, you create this beautiful, beautiful opportunity portrait almost, this picture of opportunity. Because as you make a decision to say, yes, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, so therefore I'm going to get baptized, and then your story plays up here, and we baptize you up here, and everybody claps and all that, there's going to be someone, because it happens every single baptism, there's going to be someone within the week who reaches out and says, Taylor, I'm ready to be baptized. You created an opportunity. Someone who says, you know what, I don't know a lot about middle schoolers. Middle school wasn't a great time in my life, but I'm willing to invest in that area, so I'm going to go serve in our middle school area this fall. And um, guess what? You're going to make and create opportunities for other kids to say yes and to grow their faith, to come to a faith of their own long before they leave off to college. Maybe this, this fall you say, yes, I'm going to join a group because we're going to do a lot about groups this fall, let me tell you, like a whole series about groups, because they're so important, and maybe you've never been a part of a group before, and it's like, that's really intimidating, we're going to do so much this year to help that be a lot easier for you, but you have to say yes. Maybe it's leading a group. Maybe you know, you know what, Taylor, these, these talks are really good, but I, I'm ready to go a little bit deeper. Guess what that means? That means you're ready to graduate to teaching people, because isn't it true when you teach people, you honestly sometimes even learn more Like when you were back in elementary school, right, and you had to like teach the lesson, you're like, wow, I actually have to learn the material now. That's how it works. You make connections. I'm telling you, this equation works, and then it creates more. It creates more. And it will grow your faith, sometimes in very, very unlikely ways. But I want to acknowledge that this is not easy. 
This is not easy. There's been seasons in my life, I know one of my big issues, this may be strange, um, but uh, it's patience. Patience. I'm like so ready to say yes. I'm like, Lord, you just give me the checklist and I will say yes, 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 yes. You will be amazed at how fast, Lord, I can say yes. And he's like, I just want you to wait. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to wait. Let's get going. Let's do things. Let's get it done. Let's go reach the lost and serve our people and love our neighbors. It's like, wait. And I'm like, hmm. I have to trust that I'm part of something bigger. And it's not all about me. And it's okay to slow down. Now, I say that gently because most of us actually have the opposite problem. We're like, well, I think the Lord's just calling me to be patient. I'm like, you've been patient for five years. I don't know, you know, if he hasn't done anything, it's probably the other way around. It's the other way around. Maybe you just need to ask yourself, where am I hesitating? Why am I hesitating? Why is this a struggle? That's where you got to say yes and investigate and pursue and that will set you up for a path where at least you may get to a point, and maybe it's like, no, I really still don't believe anybody's there. Nobody's home up in heaven. That place doesn't even exist. Maybe that's where you'll end up, but at least you'll know. I don't think it will be because I have seen those people, some of the most much smarter than I am, like literally Mensa geniuses. I have met them, and they have said, I have read these books, and I'm like, I can't even read these books, and they have come to a faith in Jesus. Why? They said yes, and that is the difference. But no, you're not alone. You're not alone in this. We all have the same burden to say yes. We're all at different stages. I'm just glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're taking, or you have at least said yes enough to show up. Now take that step to say yes to following or to whatever it looks like in your context. Let me uh, invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and uh, just pray with me for just a moment. Heavenly Father, um, just want to thank you. Thank you that you are not a, a God who is distant. You are God, you're a God who is our Father. And the relationship through just that word alone that you wish to have with us. Lord, my prayer is this morning that we would not just ignore abandon or walk away from those opportunities but that we would have the courage and the strength and you would help us have the courage and the strength and the people to just say yes to whatever that looks like because most of us lord honestly if we we even took five minutes to think about it we kind of know where we need to say yes and so, Lord, my prayer is that you would help us to do that, and we would do that. Just say yes. Maybe it's a small step, maybe it's a big step, but that we would say yes. And this journey doesn't just end today when we walk out these doors, but it's a journey to say yes each and every day in small and big ways. And out of that, help us to see when those moments of growth, when those moments of trust and faith come to life. Lord, I just pray for those who are here this morning who are really struggling with who you are and what you have invited us into. That you would let them know that, that you're there as they figure it out. 
that you love us so much you're not here to guilt them, to pressure them. You're here to invite them. This is not something you force us into. It's something because you love us and because you want our love. It is not something that is forced. It is something that you invite us to do. We have the choice. We have the decision. Help us, Lord, to say yes along the way. Give us the strength, Lord, the wisdom, whatever we need to carry this out. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's message. I want to encourage you to set a reminder in your phone or sticky note on the mirror in the morning, whatever it takes so that every day you will get in the habit of saying yes at least one time a day to an opportunity, big or small, to grow your faith. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time for part four.